Let's open up our Bibles to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. This is the journey that we've been going through uh, regarding bondage and getting out of bondage, and God is the great deliverer. And so tonight, the lesson is lesson number six. If, if anybody did not get the notes, we have copies of the notes still available. Thank you, Brother Kim. Thank you, Brother Barry, for helping us with that. Good. Anybody else? God's, the lesson theme tonight, Exodus chapter 7, is God's game plan. God's game plan. And, um, you know, whenever I think of a game plan, I don't know about you, but I guess all of our lives maybe are, have been formed a little bit differently, but my life growing up was all sports. I mean, it was sports all the time. My poor mother uh, having to deal with that, three sons, um, and her, her husband being a coach, and then, of course, my sister even getting involved in athletics a lot too. But it was all about sports all the time. And we, when you think about athletics and you think about sports, a coach is coming up with a game plan. And it's not the same every game. It's different from one game to the next or from one opponent to the next. But there is a plan in place. The, the plan in place is to be victorious over that opponent, whoever that opponent may be. And in, in this way, um, tonight, as we think about this lesson on God's game plan... We are living, this is our generation, this is our generation to live in, and so the game plan is no different in this generation than it was in the last generation. And the game plan with God isn't going to change in the next generation either, should a Terry is coming, where the, the, the game plan for each sporting event can be pretty much different. Now, yes, the result is we want to win. But the game plan can be a little bit different. But in this case, God has called on men and women like us tonight with the game plan in mind, and that is to carry the message that he has given us to uh, our generation, to our families, to our neighbors, to our uh, friends, to our acquaintances. That is... Uh, the game plan. God doesn't say to the lost, I need you to deliver the message. God says to the saved, I need you to deliver the message. It's the same game plan from the first century church till tonight. Well, in our study on the life of Moses, he's now back in Egypt. He's already been in Midian for 40 years. Uh, he has several Pharaoh, uh, one Pharaoh has died already, uh, one by the name of Thutmose III. This would have been his old enemy, and so he has passed off the scene. History now tells us that there is a new Pharaoh, which is Amenhotep II, Amenhotep II. And the interesting thing about this Pharaoh, and this is the Pharaoh that Moses, we believe, is speaking to. Now, Moses is an older man. 
Amenhotep II, let's just call him Pharaoh, right? He is probably about 22 years old. Now that's younger and younger, isn't it? As the years go by, 22 is so young. And yet he's the most powerful man alive. Moses, we believe, is probably about 80. So can you picture this? An 80-year-old man is going to stand before a 22-year-old man. Now, he just happens to be Pharaoh, so he is in control, and whatever he says uh, will take place and does take place. And he's standing in front of him, he being Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at that time, even though he's very young. And I would think that there would have been some insecurity, de definitely, maybe even on the part of this young man, this 22-year-old man, even though he was Pharaoh. But God had a plan, and God always has a plan. I think somebody testified about that, maybe not in those exact words, but we praised God for his, his um, leading or his plan or something. And that is exactly what we find here in our text tonight. So, uh, let's look at Exodus chapter 7. Number one, if you're taking notes, we find a command. A command. Exodus 7, 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. So when Pharaoh looks at you, Moses, I want you to know that he looks at you as being a God. Small g. And Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Now, he... He's telling Moses what to do. Obviously, he's God. He has that right. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee. So there's the command. And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of the land. So as we look tonight at God's plan of deliverance in chapter 7 of Exodus, we find that it begins with a command. Secondly, we see God's spokesman. God's spokesman. There were two of them. Two of them. Moses was the first one, and Aaron was the second one. The statement, it begins with a startling statement as God tells Moses and Aaron, as I mentioned a moment ago, that Moses was like a God to Pharaoh. And so... Here, here goes Moses with that idea in mind. But another thing about this is that God isn't just sending him in there um, to figure out what to say. He's not just giving him, okay, go talk to Pharaoh. He's going to tell him what to say as well. We'll come to that in just a moment. Let's take in our Bibles quickly and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. God's spokesman. So, as we go through this lesson tonight, we are God's spokesman. What's another term for what's another term in the Bible that God gives? There's more than one, I guess, but let's just see what we come up with. What's another term that God gives in the Bible for us as Christians in relation to delivering his message? Spokesman, that's not really a Bible term, but what's a Bible term that God has written in his word for you and for me as Christians. Uh, 
yes, we're to go and preach the gospel, but he gives us a title. That's, that's correct. Ambassadors. That's one. We are to be an ambassador for, for Christ, a spokesman. What's another term that we could give for that as well? What is, what is the person called who's, who, who is in the courtroom who's brought in to testify of what he has seen or experienced? A witness. That's what we're called in the Bible as well. We're called an ambassador. We're called a witness. And so we are, that, we are the spokesman. We are the Aaron. We are the Moses. And... Um, we're, we're, the, we're the delivery boys, as I've said it before. We're the delivery girls. We're delivering a message. It isn't even so much that we are um, doing any work in the, on the inside. I'm saying the inside of the individual. It's not up to me to do a work in your heart. It's up to God to do that. But it's up to me as a pastor to give the message from God's Word, and then the Holy Spirit has to do the work. And when we're going out into the community and we're delivering a message as a spokesman for God, it isn't even that we're trying to, to reach someone's heart. We're just simply, with the Lord's help, delivering the message, giving the truth, and asking God to do the work. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you're there, verse number 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear. This is Paul. He's saying, I was scared. I was trembling. Uh, I was fearful. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. In other words, I didn't have any big, long theological words to give. It wasn't you know, uh, that kind of a speech. It wasn't uh, that kind of a, uh, a message. But notice what he says. But it was instead in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. It wasn't about great oratory delivery. It wasn't about funny stories. It wasn't about whatever. It was about having the power of God behind whatever the word given was. It wouldn't even matter what, what word was given as long as we were delivering the message of God. It was, came with the power of God. This is what we must understand uh, that it isn't about the, the delivery technique. It isn't about being polished and all that. Now we should work and we should study. We should do all that we can. But ultimately, we are delivering a message. We need God's help when it comes to the receiving of the message. So we are the spokesman. Number two, praise the Lord, God's script. Moses and Aaron were also commanded to take God's script. They didn't have to write the script. Neither do you, neither do I. I don't have to come up with a new message. I don't have to come up with a new truth. It's all there for us. Look at verse 2, back in Exodus 7. Please. Notice what he says, thou shalt speak all that I command thee. Now, the difference in Moses and Aaron and us today is they didn't have what we have. They didn't have the Bible. So they were getting direct revelation from God. We don't need direct revelation from God anymore. We have it. 
This is our direct revelation. This is a more sure word of prophecy, God's word. Okay? And so this, uh, the script, God wanted Moses to know that he, God, can take somebody who thinks he's a nobody and help him to tell someone else about God and his message. And so it is for you and so it is for me tonight. 1 Peter 1.25, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Think of that. The word of the Lord endureth forever. How long does your word last? How long does my word last? I don't know. Not, not forever. I know that. But here's the word of the Lord, and it endures forever. It continues on. That's the script. That's the message. That's what we're supposed to deliver. I don't have to come up with something else to say. I just say the same word that is in here that has been said time and time and time and time again because it endures forever. I am commanded to take it to my community that I live in. I am commanded to take it to people that I don't even know. It's a blessing that we have been given the script. My wife was at the SkyTrain on Saturday handing out gospel tracts. And God brought her across the path of a lady named Sarah. I wish you would write that name down. Sarah. Write down the name Sarah. Pray for Sarah. It was a divine appointment. And there, there are so many divine appointments out there for you and for me. So much so that in the midst of the conversation, and they hadn't even really got into much about the things of the Lord, that Sarah just said to my wife, do you think things happen for a reason? This is a complete stranger. Somebody that she had been talking to for, I don't even know, maybe not even a minute. Do you think things happen for a reason? <laughs> wow. And they were able to talk about the things of the Lord and, and uh, somehow they got on the, the gospel message and, and uh, my wife said, well, you know, she gave her one of these tracts. I don't know which one. I have this one on the home. If you haven't read this track yet, I wish you would get it and read it. It's a beautiful presentation of the gospel. And um, this lady said to my wife, she says, well, my mom, uh, let's see, how did it go? My dad was, was an atheist and my mom was a Catholic. And I just thought everybody went to heaven. She said, Isn't, doesn't everyone, no, she said, doesn't everyone go to heaven? And my wife said, well, not according to the Bible, no. Everyone doesn't go to heaven. And anyway, I'm just saying, there are people out there that may have that idea, everyone just goes to heaven. Sadly, if someone were to die with that thought in mind, and I don't say this to be cruel or unkind, but it won't take long for them to realize that that wasn't the truth. Everyone doesn't just go to heaven. But I'm thankful that the message that we are to deliver is not our message. It's nothing new. It's like the songwriter said in our hymn book, hymn book tell me the old, old story. Because it is an old story. And praise God for it. The message that we take, the message 
that we have. We don't want to mess the message up. Just speak it as God wants us to. We don't need to add something to. We don't need to take anything away from it. When we do that, when we try to, when we try to add in our own little stuff, guess what happens? The message gets kind of confused. We don't need to do that. It's not that we want to water down. We shouldn't want to water down the message. We should give the message as it is given in the Word of God. Kind of a, kind of a humorous thought, but it was a bitterly cold morning, and a man had just arrived at work when he got a text message from his wife that said, windows frozen won't open. So this man sent a text back and said, pour some lukewarm water over it, and then gently tap edges with hammer. Ten minutes later, he got another text that said, computer really messed up now. Remember his wife said, windows frozen won't open. While the wife heard the directions from her husband, she was not on the same page. As God's messengers, we can't afford not to be, we can't afford to not be on the same page with the one who gave the message. We must hear God's message and then take it out to others. So, number one is a command, big number one. Number two, we find a caution. A caution. After a history of hundreds of years of bondage, it may have seemed and appeared to the Israelites as though God had forgotten them. But honestly, we know this to be true. Of course, again, they were living it. Let's not pick on them. They were living it. We're reading about it. That their situation was never out of God's control. Maybe, maybe that would help us tonight to realize that our situation is also not out of God's control. Number one, under the, a caution, is the hardness of Pharaoh. The hardness of Pharaoh. As we look at chapter 7 in our text, once again, Exodus 7 and verse 3, God says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. That must have been kind of shocking to Moses. Then why am I going there? <laughs> if he's not going to listen, if he's going to harden his heart, and you're going to seemingly have a part in this, what's that all about? Why go and deliver the message? You see, I think what we see in this is God teaching Moses and God teaching me and God teaching you to rely on God and not on what we think it ha how we think it should happen. To rely on God's plan. Remember, this is God's game plan. Not my game plan. Not what I have to, how I think it should be, how I think it should work out. So God wanted Moses to learn to rely on his control, even when he faced the hardened and stubborn heart of Pharaoh. God warned Moses that Pharaoh was going to reject him. And so possibly another reason was so that Moses wouldn't get discouraged when it happened. This is what God said was going to happen, and so maybe that was the case. But again, our goal and our objective when it comes to the game plan is to be a faithful deliverer of the script and not be concerned about how it's received. In this case, 
Pharaoh rejected the message of God through Moses, and so will many people that we want to deliver, even people that we love. And I heard, heard someone pray recently, and they said something about people that I know and people that I love, uh, that are for some, they have rejected the message of God and how it breaks that individual's heart. And so I believe God is saying, let's be faithful based on delivering the message, not on how it is, whether it is received or not. Now notice what it says here. It says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. That's, a, that's an interesting way of putting it, isn't it? Because when you think about that, did God want Pharaoh to reject him? Did God actually um, make Pharaoh reject him? When he said, I will harden his heart. Let's go to 1 Samuel 6. Verse Samuel 6. Wherefore then, verse 6, sorry. First Samuel 6 and verse 6. Wherefore then do ye harden your hearts as the Egyptians and, what's the next word? Pharaoh hardened their hearts. When he had wrought wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go and they departed? So, when I put these two passages together, here's what I come up with. God only hardens the heart of someone who has already rejected God's message. God only hardens the heart of someone who's already rejected God's message. It is not as though God has determined that certain people must reject Him, or that God will not allow them a chance to choose. If we think about it, the Egyptians have already had ample opportunities to choose. Think about it. They had a young man by the name of Joseph there for many, many years. Now, this Pharaoh was obviously not there, but the influence would have lived on. And now God is reaching out again to the people of Egypt through Moses, but again, the people and the Pharaohs continually reject him. Let's go to a New Testament verse about this in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Here we see a group of people who knew there was a creator God in Romans chapter 1. And I would encourage you to read through this chapter. We're not going to read through it all tonight. Let's see. Let's, let's read verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. 
For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood, verse, 9, verse 20, by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without what? Excuse. Because that when they knew God. So here we see, the Bible says, that this ancient Greek world here in Romans, they knew God. But they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Verse 24, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. So we can look at this, and we can look at what we've just been reading, and we can say that it was not that God didn't reach out to them and simply gave up on them. No, God reached out to them time and time again. This is the case in Egypt. This is the case in Rome. And by the way, this is the case today. Because the Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We have a very merciful God. I think we heard that earlier tonight. Tragically, though, even people today choose to harden their heart. By the way, we have a free will, don't we? Yes, we do. We have a free will. So if you choose to harden your heart, God will let you do that. I would advise against it, obviously. History is replete with men and women who harden their hearts to God, even after much contact with the Bible. One example is the man by the name of Karl Marx. Maybe you've heard of him. He grew up in a Jewish home, converted to Lutheranism as a young man. Sadly, he finally became an atheist and created the philosophy of communism. Think about it. Here's a man who was surrounded by the teachings of Martin Luther, and we might disagree with some things there, but there was at least a lot of truth that he was surrounded by. As are you tonight. And I'm not saying that about me being a pastor. I'm saying when we're opening up the Word of God, we are opening up truth. Just because you're surrounded by truth tonight doesn't mean that you're allowing that truth to impact you as God wants it to impact you. It could be going in your left ear and outside your right ear and nothing is being lodged in between. And that's what happened to him. Because it's, it, he was surrounded by truth, and yet it didn't really seem to do much, did it? Charles Darwin is another one. He had a very religious background. He even studied to be a minister. Darwin. But he never allowed the truth of God's Word to truly penetrate his heart. He proposed the theory of evolution that completely contradicts the truths of the Word of God and ended his life as an agnostic. 
So we're saying that Pharaoh hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. Nextly, we see the help of God. The help of God. So God lets Moses know reception's not going to be very good. However, God tells Moses, Exodus chapter 7, verse number 4, But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. So God is telling Moses, I'm going to have my hand upon Egypt. I'm going to show them my power. I'm going to show them my wonders. And there was two purposes in this. Number one, number one, there was two purposes in this plan of deliverance. Number one, obviously Israel would be released from their bondage. That would be purpose number one, which was the plan all along. They had been under bondage. They had been under affliction. But secondly, it was an opportunity. It was a time where God would show Egypt that God is the one true God. Remember, they were worshiping hundreds of gods. And yet this would be the time that they would recognize that God is the one true God. We see throughout Scripture that the miracle-working power of God would often draw others to see the power of God and the truth of His salvation. Let's, let's quickly take our Bibles and turn to God, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter number 12. John 12, 31. John 12, 31. The works of God, the miraculous works of God, often draw others to see the power of God and the truth of His salvation. John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now we know that Jesus was lifted up from the earth. When would that have taken place? I think this is talking about the crucifixion. He was lifted up from the earth. It could be also talking about his ascension back to heaven. John 3, 14 and 15, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So, number one is a command. Number two is a caution. Number three is a confirmation. For the first time, God's power was going to go against Egypt, Egypt's power, and it was going to be seen right here, right here in our text. Letter A, or number one, is a repeated instruction. A repeated instruction. When Moses and Aaron first confronted Pharaoh in chapter 5, they were told to show the miracles and yet they did not do that. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let them go. Now what we're not going to take time to go back and see 
is that at this point, God had already told Moses to throw down his rod. But he didn't. He didn't throw down his rod until tonight, or until what we're looking at tonight. So, here was something that he was supposed to do. Isn't it, isn't it true, though, of all of us here tonight, that sometimes we have to hear things more than once? Have you ever said to any of your children, I told you this before. <laughs> but now I'm going to tell you again. Because sometimes we need instructions to be repeated. Okay? I need them to be repeated to me. Our children need them to be repeated. Moses and Aaron, they needed them to be repeated because this is something that God had already told them to do. Exodus chapter 7. Back to our text. So God's going to repeat it. Look at verse 8. Exodus 7, 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you. Then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. So this is the repeated instruction. Next, a repeated assurance. A repeated assurance. At the end of verse 9, what does God say to them? It shall become a serpent. In other words, what I'm telling you to do, it's going to work out. There's some assurance there. God is telling Moses, I'm faithful. Don't worry. I'm a miracle-working God. I like what 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about the God whom we serve, that we can trust. We can, we can rest in his assurance. He told the disciples in Matthew 28, 20, uh, lo, I will, I will be with you always. That's an assurance you have tonight. That's an assurance I have tonight, that he will be with us always. So we have a command, we have a caution, we have a confirmation uh, lastly, we have a commitment. Okay? So all the plan has been laid out. That's all good and well. And I think tonight most of us here understand that God has a plan for us. And that's good that we understand it here. But it has to go from here to here. Or here to here. Or here to our feet. Something has to translate. It can't just be something that we recognize mentally, but it should affect the way that we live our lives. What did they need? Number one, bold obedience. And that's what it's going to take for us. There's no way it would be any different for us. Boldness. Not brashness, boldness. Moses was going to have to actually go and stand before Pharaoh. God told him what to do, told him what to say. He said, get ready. When this comes, throw the rod down. Boom, boom, boom. All the instructions were given. But until they actually went and stood before Pharaoh, nothing would ever be complete. So there had to be some bold obedience. Verse 10. 
And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh. Wow, can you imagine that? Walk from their apartment, you know, from their condominium. Walking from my condo to the throne room, you know. Can you imagine? Maybe they talking to each other on the way there. Maybe we ought to do this tomorrow. I don't know. I think we ought to do it today. Maybe you ought to come back next week. No, I think, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. You know, sometimes we get this picture in our mind that they just, they went and they did it and there wasn't anything in between. I think there was a lot in between going on. I don't think these guys are any different than you or me. But yet they, they did, they went. Notice that the, the, it says that they went in unto Pharaoh and notice, and they did so. They went and they did so. As the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Wow. Talk about faith. Can you imagine if they, I, I, I just kind of think they would have had this in mind that, you know, Aaron's walking in there with his rod. This is Aaron's rod. And he's walking in there with his rod and he's got it in his hand and he's thinking through, you know what? I'm going to be such a fool when I, if I throw this down and it's still a rod. And yet, we, we already know Moses had seen it happen to his rod. I'm going to be such a fool if I throw this down, but this is what God has commanded me to do, and so I need to obey what God... You know, some people are going to hear the gospel, and they're going to say, you're a fool. Some people are going to hear the, the truth, and they're going to think, man, that's That's crazy. But we see that Aaron followed through. And he threw that rod down, and it did become a serpent. Before the most powerful man in all the world. As God sent Moses and Aaron, their part was obedience. God's part was the miracle. Write that down on your heart. My part is obedience God's part is the miracle. I am not responsible for the miracle. But I am responsible for the obedience. Throw down your rod. Wow. Okay. <laughs> There's got to be another way. Nope, throw down your rod. The sooner that we realize that, Pastor Ben, the sooner you realize that, just obey, let God do his thing. My thing is obedience. As God sent Moses, so he sent his church. Today we are his messengers. Today we must be faithful proclaiming the truth. Verse John 20, 21, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. I wonder this week, who are you going to come across that will be your Pharaoh? Who will you come across? Who will I come across this week that will be my Pharaoh? Maybe a neighbor, a boss, a friend. And we know that God is challenging us to throw down our rod 
Now, don't go get a stick and throw it down in front of your neighbor. That's not what we're talking about. But it means to have faith to believe that, okay, God is working on me. I need to go deliver that message of the, of the gospel to that individual. Let God do the miracle. It isn't the response that is our responsibility. It is the message being delivered. Now, isn't it amazing that as soon as we obey God, Satan is right there to cause us to doubt what God is doing? Do you know Satan was right there in Exodus 7 as well? If you've never read this, this is like this is better than Hollywood could ever do. Look what it says in verse 11. 711, slurpy time. Then Pharaoh also called in the wise men. Oh, okay. That's trick time, okay. We can do that. Okay, guys, come on in. Here comes, here comes, here comes Satan. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner. For, for they cast down, notice, notice the word every. This is so good. Man, if you've never read this, you've missed it. Now we're reading it, so the Bible is not boring. I don't know how many every is, excuse me. But every is more than one. Can we agree with that? So there's more than one that Pharaoh's squad comes in and throws down, and they all become serpents as well. Now, folks, I'm telling you, I hate snakes. I would have left with the first one. But now we've got multiple snakes on the ground. That's not a good thing anyway. Maybe there's three or four from Egypt, and we got one from, we got it, one Israeli snake, and we got four Egyptian snakes. I don't know. Yeah, we can do that too. And you know what? That's Satan for you, though. Satan copies everything that God does. But let's not stop reading. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod, I love how the Bible says his rod. It's a snake, though, right? But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. I mean, this, there, I mean there is no movie, there's no video game that has has anything on Exodus 7.12. We got one Hebrew snake running around gobbling up a bunch of Egyptian snakes. Because Satan's trying to get Moses to doubt that what he did was of God. And when the power of God was displayed... Of course, there's an immediate response. There's an immediate satanic response from opposition from Satan. And by the way, we'll see it. You'll see it. Every time, every time, every time God's gospel begins to advance, 
all the, all the forces of hell wake up. If you're sleeping on the sidelines, the forces of hell are not going to wake you up. I say I don't want to be asleep on the sidelines. I want to be in God's game plan. When the Lord returns, I want to be in the game. I might be the slowest one on the team, but I want to be in the game. But, but I can tell you this, when you're in the game, Satan's forces take note of that. And they say, let's, let's send some snakes over there. See if they really mean it. There will be opposition. Spiritual warfare is not a joke. It is real. Because Satan has a territory, and he doesn't want anyone moving in on his territory. He uses the world. He uses the flesh. He uses his own influence. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine, of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Here in Egypt, we see that there was sorcery and demonism as Satan sought to exert his power over God. This is why my faith cannot be in signs and wonders. Don't miss this. My faith cannot be in signs and wonders because Satan can get some pretty good-looking signs and wonders. And sometimes I won't be able to discern because my eyes are only so good. And sometimes they're not very good. Man, that looks like it's of God. I mean, look at Thousands are supposedly coming to Christ. It must be of God. I don't know. A sign and a wonder doesn't make it of God. So my faith is not in signs and wonders, but on the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. Let's go there quickly. And it tells us about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Man, I hope God has this miracle from Exodus 7. I hope he's got that recorded on some kind of a DVD or something. I want to see that one snake coming over and eating up those three other snakes, four other snakes. I don't like, to, I don't like snakes, though, but I'd like to see that. Chapter 11, verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers. Notice, transforming themselves into the apostles of who? What? That means they look like. They might even sound like. They're the real deal. But they're as far from the real deal as, as Satan himself. Because look what it says about Satan. And no marvel. In other words, not surprised. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of what? Light. It's not what the world would portray him to be. He looks good. Therefore, it is no great thing 
Verse 15, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed. Satan has ministers. I've been called a minister before. That's okay. I prefer another title, but that's fine. But Satan has ministers. And they are transformed as ministers of what? Righteousness. That's why we got to be very careful who we're following on the internet. Man, I listen to so-and-so, and man, he sounds really good. Okay. Possibly. I'm not saying you don't listen to somebody on the internet. I listen to preaching on the internet. But there's a lot of people that can be transformed as ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. In other words, Satan has the power to replicate and duplicate and copy anything that God can do. We must compare what we hear by the truth of the Word of God. Please, I challenge you, I encourage you, don't get uh, swayed by the, the newest internet preacher. Be very careful about that. Okay, bold obedience, then blessed obedience. Satan's power could never match the power of Almighty God. We see at the end of verse 12, Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. This must have been an amazing sight. We've already said that. We don't know how many magicians there were. We already talked about that. I must have got so excited I was telling it to you ahead of time. But this was a visible reason for them to say, that's our God. Look what God just did. God blessed the obedience of his servants. That's what this is all about. God blessed the obedience of his servants. Paul wrote to the, to the Roman Christians in chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Brother Barry, you have those. Maybe you could recruit some help in handing those out. I want to give everyone, I'm sure you have one already, but I want to give everyone until we run out a gospel track, just one. Just one. This is, for better purpose, this is God's game plan. This is God's game plan. The gospel. What I would encourage you to do first, not right now, but we're, we're just about to pray and be done. Thank you for your, your patience and listening. It's to God be the glory, but thank you for listening. This is God's game plan. The gospel. First, I would challenge you sometime tonight to read it. Read it. Read it. It could be that you're not saved. It could be that you don't know Christ as your Savior, and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. You don't know if you died tonight that you would go to heaven or hell. And so here's the message. I'm giving you God's game plan. This is not Pastor Turner's plan, uh, the Baptist plan. This is God's game plan. The gospel. So read it. It could be that you need to be saved. 
that will show you the gospel message. Secondly, I would encourage you to hand that to someone as soon as possible. After you've read it, hand it to someone. Give it to someone. I want to encourage you to actually give it and put it in someone's hand. I know we can leave them on benches. We can leave them everywhere, and I do that. But I want to encourage you with this one track, this one track, put it in someone's hand. And before you've given it to someone, pray and just say, God, I may not even know who I'm giving this to. I probably won't know who they are. I probably won't know their name, especially if it's someone, again, that you don't know. But God, please, would you use this gospel tract that I'm going to hand out to bring you glory and to bring about someone's salvation. We see the command. We see the caution. We see the confirmation. We see the commitment. You see, it's God's game plan. It's not my idea. He came up with this. He gave it to the church. And um, it's a good thing to know about it. It's a good thing to believe it. But the best thing to do is to follow the game plan and, and give it. At some point, we have to swallow and say, God, I need some courage. And we have to swallow, and we have to go before Pharaoh. And we have to say, Pharaoh, I need to give you this. And they may not take it. But if they don't take it, you've, you've done your part. So then you know what? You say, okay, God, I can handle that. They didn't reject me. They rejected the message. So go to the next person. And it's the next person. And by the way, don't just do this one, but start with one. There was a song many years ago that we used to sing in mission conferences. It all starts with just one voice, I think, or something like that. I won't try to sing it for you. But it's a powerful message and song. One track can change somebody's life. One track can change a whole family. One track can change a whole generation. One gospel track. One gospel track. But if it's not given out, if it's not delivered, uh, then we haven't been obedient. I'm not talking just about this track. My job to be obedient, it's God's, job's, it's God's job to do the miracles. By the way, and he does a great job of doing miracles. And it wasn't just 7-Eleven. Okay, you'll never look at that when it does the same, right? This is not the Slurpee verse, this is the snake verse. 7-Eleven and 12. It's not just for the Bible. He does miracles now. If you don't believe that, don't tell me that God doesn't do miracles. I don't want you to ruin my thinking of God because I believe God still does miracles. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. 